Baby driver. Not impractical, first of all. <laughs> <laughs> Can't even see over the dash. Yeah, come this on, is baby. BS. Where do I start with this? It's a bad idea. His, uh, his seat is obviously rear-facing. <laughs> that's because he doesn't weigh over 45 pounds. That's part of why he's such a prodigy. <laughs> no one oh. understands it. He's a savant. He doesn't even look for it. Although there is that part in the movie where he drives backwards. Hi, everybody in podcast land and also on YouTube. You voted. We listened. Even though I didn't want to watch this movie again. Yeah. Neither did I. And I think I am I was with you uh, after seeing it. <laughs> ah, see? I was right. Okay, my problem is I watched this like eight months ago. Oh, yeah. Mm. And spoiler alert, I didn't really love it then. So mm. I wasn't like gung-ho. Oh, dang. Even though, as Riley likes to remind me, I did watch Blade Runner 2049 like three times in one weekend once. <laughs> I can do that if I like the movie a lot. That's just insane well, to me. We put it on the poll because we wanted to get like the broadest Edgar Wright coverage possible. We didn't. I had no idea this was going to win. I was for sure thought Shaun of the Dead or Scott Pilgrim would crush. So wait, none of us were happy about having to watch this movie? <laughs> I, I thought it was going to get second. I thought for sure Shaun of the Dead was going to crush. Yeah. But it did. Or Scott Pilgrim. And here we are. And the thing that's interesting about the, the choices on that poll is uh, Baby Driver and Scott Pilgrim are both like Edgar Wright movies, just Edgar Wright. And mm-hmm. those other two, Hot Fuzz and Shaun of the Dead, are the Edgar Wright plus Simon Pegg plus, what's the other guy's name? No, it's Nick those, those two wrote it, though. Nick oh. Frost and Ralph Wright. Oh, okay. Nick Frost always sounds like a comic book character name to me. That's a real person? Sure that's, a, yeah. Yeah. that's also Frost is the villain of Blade. Got, you got Blade on the mind? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Discount DiCaprio, but evil. Wait, yeah. I haven't actually seen Blade. That's the name of the villain? Yeah, something Nick Frost. Frost? No, something Frost. Oh, okay. Remember, like Jason Frost. Or we'll something. get to Blade one day, but for now, it's Baby Driver. It's you, Baby Driver, baby, baby. Baby's B-A-Y-B. B-A-B-Y, baby. B-A-B-Y, baby. Uh, David, what do you give in this movie? Out of 10. Give me your slogan. <sighs> baby Driver has all the pieces of a movie that should absolutely crack my top 10, but it ne- never quite coalesces into a film that I can actually care about. And what's your rating? Oh, uh, 7.5. Oh, wow. That's, okay. that's a solid rating. Though. That is. So you like the movie. Yeah. I, I mean, we'll get into it, but... yeah. I said, uh, here's my slogan, putting a baby behind the wheel of a car is always a risky decision, but for Edgar Wright, I guess it paid off, but I'm still giving this movie a 5.5 out of 10. 5.5, wow. I didn't love it. It's on the good side. Clearly. If five is, it's just, five's neutral, right? See, and, and we'll get into why, because like five is neutral, and it's just 0.5 over neutral for me, because there's a lot of good stuff in this movie. Obviously, technically, it's really great, but- I'm with you there, but the good stuff is so good. It is. That's so the thing. Good. It's like some stuff in this movie is masterful, and other stuff just didn't get any attention. Yeah. So I'm giving this movie a six. Hmm. Um, music videos should just stay in their lane. <laughs> <Hey>. <laughs> That's a good slogan. Thank you. You love my slogan. I liked. Well, I like this one. You liked the last few too. Uh, it was. I, it was technically well executed. The other ones. Mm. I'm gonna push back on your stuff a little bit right after this message from our sponsor, Private Internet Access VPN. Private Internet Access helps you hide your true IP address so that you can bypass your restrictions and censorship and other stuff that other people are trying to put on you in your face. You know, get on my face, IPIA. Yeah. You can connect with five devices at once, and it includes an internet kill switch if your VPN gets disconnected involuntarily. Now I'm gonna disconnect my braces. Oh. PIA is available for Windows, Mac, Android, iOS, and even as a Chrome extension. So check it out, lmg.gg slash carpoolpia. Did you, did you have that ready to go, that brace, that brace bit? 
Oh, so much better. <laughs> oh, I just realized I hadn't done it. And I'm like, bleh, bleh, bleh. that know? worked out great. Baby, 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 baby. Why are you driving so much, baby? Are you going to give us a synopsis of this movie? or is there That a was point? it. <laughs> that was it, eh? Baby is a talented young getaway driver with tinnitus. That's a ringing in the ears. Which he blocks out by constantly playing music. After paying off his debt to the crime lord, Doc, Baby is finally free. He meets and falls in love with Deborah, a diner waitress. Her name is Deborah. It is. But before they can hit the road, Doc calls Baby in for one more job. Or more jobs. It's not clear. He's sucked back in. Stuck with a crew of unstable thugs, Baby's going to have to pull off his most daring getaway yet. Escaping from all these crazy criminals. Which he does. But then he goes to jail. And the movie keeps going for some reason. Why does it keep going? Why does it just why doesn't it just stop? I agree with you, man. I thought when he was on that bridge getting arrested. Yeah. End it right there. Oh, perfect. Well they, yeah. they want to leave you with like that ambiguous ending where you're like, you can't be <laughs> sure if he's actually being set free or if it's all in his imagination. What? Wait, what? What was ambiguous about that? I thought I, him just getting arrested would be ambiguous. This is like, they send him, they, on yeah. tr- on, he's on trial. All these people are like, he's a really nice guy. It's not his fault. Wrong yeah. place, wrong time. He gave him my purse back before he left. <laughs> and he then we're just like, back. we like this protagonist. Yeah. Then he goes to jail for at least five years. And this girl he's known for like a week. Exactly. Just sticks by him. Cool. I'm like, wow. Gives him postcards, which are totally meta. We can talk about those later. And then uh, he gets out, gets the girl, has a nice car. It's all good, no? Well, I think it's, that's uh, why he's saying. So it's I. It's the big debate online if it's actually real or not. Is that actually whether a it's big his debate? imagination? Yeah, it's a pretty big debate. This movie is beloved. It's the Edgar Wright's most like highest grossing movie. Yeah, and it won our poll. So like, I think there's gonna... people that really do care about this movie. But if you'd Google Baby Driver Reddit, all like a lot of the results are. Here's my problem with this movie. Oh, this movie For sure. was hyped. And I didn't like it that much. It yep. seems like really mixed reviews. Well, it's got, I think it came with the first wave of reviews was insanely high. And it's because people recognize like the technical proficiency in mm. this movie. And like, there is so many things to talk about. I made a list originally. My notes were just like a thousand different little things that I like about this movie. And like, there's like, endless amounts of like little details that are so good little lines that they throw back at each other little callbacks like everything baby says in this movie is a remix of something he heard he there's not a single yeah. original original line everything is like a callback to either something he saw some things something someone said about himself like even when he's like standing up for himself and he's like i'm fast i'm this it's exact wording that has been used before and wait like, really yeah not a single line is original i don't know if there's like i think some of the romance stuff is and that's kind of about like oh, okay. him breaking out of this right. like remixing thing uh that was really can we talk about this debate though yeah so the ending the signs that it's imaginary is the fact that it's so picturesque that we've seen him have that vision. Uh, that vision before almost identically. The fact that it's black and white to that. Uh, the fact that it's really unrealistic that she would stick by him. Uh, that like how would she have this car? Like there's a lot of like yeah. things that are too convenient. And like, but he had lots of money. Well, it would Assuming, all be taken away. I don't know. We don't know. It's in the floorboards. Who knows? No, he no, took he, it out. No, of the he, he gave it he gave to, it to his. Uh, gave it to Joe. Uh, foster dad yeah i mean i haven't thought about it too hard i just thought that was interesting to be able to see this movie as that as him trying to deal with jail it definitely doesn't do that enough and i I, i'm more on your side i'm just kind of playing devil's advocate i think think people are reaching because if the argument is that she it's unrealistic that she would stand by him it actually isn't given what we've seen from her thus far in the movie their meeting is so like right off the bat they click so hard that it borderlines on being like extremely cute 
uh, slash just male fantasy of how you hope an interaction <laughs> yeah. with a girl yeah. would go. Yeah, she seems a little like too, like oh hey yeah I I don't know anything about you and you're mysterious and maybe creepy but I just love you. I'm just gonna pick up your tape recorder and and sing into it and say some <laughs> yeah, yeah. stuff into it. Like she's like very high in uh, trait uh, openness. I'll say that. Yeah, like he it's like he would have to be. DiCaprio and she recognizes DiCaprio and she's really outgoing and yeah. clever and there's like that guy I'm getting with that guy right now I'm doing whatever it takes yeah. that's that's the <laughs> level of attraction she has to, to I, baby I can get behind the idea of the ending being ambiguous obviously like that's what a lot of people are talking about it makes sense I think that's one of the things that this movie uh one of the mistakes that it makes is that it's like okay we we set things up so that we have this ambiguous ending they set up the third act so that they avoid the obvious uh, path, which would have been to have Doc be the main antagonist. Sure. Kevin Spacey, very Kevin Spacey. evil. Or yeah. Jamie Foxx or John Bernthal's yeah. character. Which yeah. I like. I like that How it's many the evil people are in this movie? you kind of like. Well, like the one that's like the least reprehensible that turns on him. I, uh, that's what's annoying about it to me because it's like, mm. all right, there's a twist. You thought it was going to be Doc. You thought it was going to be... Bats. Bats. <laughs> Jamie Foxx. But no, you did, oh, we tricked you. Oh, it's a it's a subversion for the sake of subversion, which I think is dumb because then we don't get that heavy payoff. We don't get that emotional weight of him defeating Bud, Buddy because like See, we don't hate Buddy. I disagree. I think that it had to be uh, Buddy being the villain because this movie's plot is a romance. The the A plot is actually them falling in love and like that's what he wants is to make a, a meaningful connection and that's what the whole structure of the plot rolls around and so his mirror his antagonist is this dude who's like so toxically in love with this woman and so that's a better foil than having it be another random thug that just we think is evil i can i can see that argument and i think on paper it maybe makes sense but practically in the movie he has the only thing we see of buddy is that they kind of get along and there's no there's no hint of them having any conflict until the very end when he's like screws it up by killing bats and then buddy just like flies into a rage i think so sudden it's like a girlfriend it's all all because he's mad about yeah he's mad about his girlfriend but it's like a switch is flipped there's no build-up to that conflict at all it's no no conflict no conflict no conflict suddenly there's conflict and that's the final confrontation that's true but i also would have been unsatisfied if it had been bats or griff because they annoyed me because they just hate baby for the sake of hating baby. Yeah. Like they just show up out of nowhere and are like, "Well, no, you're different." Doc, I don't like your kind. I get what you're saying about bats, but Doc doesn't hate baby at all. I think I didn't do- say you're right. Ba- I, I think Doc could have been Doc. the villain, and I think that would have been fine. But I, a lot of people don't like this, but I actually like him turning and helping them. I think it feels good. Oh, it felt so dumb. I like it. And the, I, <laughs> okay, the, but then I love that they immediately destroy him. Yeah, but the they way he gets killed was apart. so stupid. It's just such, it's so like, it's like a shock to have him suddenly flip the switch and be like, oh, actually, I'm going to help you. And then such a shock. Oh, I, oh actually, we're going to kill him right away. Okay, so there is, no, hints. Wait, oh. there is hints. Wait, before you tell me ah. your cool thing, I just want to say uh, for the record, they go down this elevator, the elevator's doors open, and these cops from before are waiting there at the elevator they have the jump on them they're like bananas and then yeah doc is there with a shotgun at the front of the elevator he's like oh crap they're surprising me three on one and still i shoot them all yeah that was silly that was silly what the hell is the element of surprise worth here yeah yeah seasoned veteran cops no don't you understand james that's a really cool action movie moment where 
Kevin Doc, Spacey. Doc kills the three three on one. He somehow survives. Oh man, he's so cool. Kevin Spacey and a big gabardine just shotgunning people. All the characters in this movie are so cool. They are so cool with their sunglasses. Kevin Spacey is not cool in this movie. He he looks like an, from the he's, accounting department. He's or menacing. Yeah, that's why he's menacing is because he kind of looks like normal. What I like about this movie is that everything is set up. Everything is a payoff. And I mean, I'm gonna have to go into a little bit of the color of this movie. So this uh, movie goes primarily primary colors. Everything's red, blue, yellow. Yeah. Uh, red being the glamorized side of crime. Blue being the cops closing in or like the the consequences of crime coming in. Yellow being the hopeful future, and that's why Deborah's always wearing that. But then there's green, and green only exists in in his in his foster dad's house. So that's his his house is all painted green, and that's supposed to be like health, respite, and all these things. The only other place that has green is the hideout. And it's a different shade of green. It's half blue, half green. Uh, and it's supposed to kind of give you the sense that like that that uh, Ansel Egort's character, Baby, sees Doc kind of like a, a dad, but also mm-hmm. like the crime closing in. And I also think like in terms of the character dynamic, like Wait, he's I always... That crime was red. Crime, cl- uh, cl- glamorous crime is red. Uh, blue is... Blue is, is like the, the consequence risk. of crime. Oh, okay, okay, okay. Um, <laughs> so what about that laundromat scene where we have all those different all the primaries... Colors. So that's one scene I have a trouble. There's a few times where I'm like, I don't quite get in what. In case they're you going don't for. remember, there's like they're in the laundromat, and there's this really cool shot where the, they have like a wall of washing machines, and then through the portholes of each one, you can see just like laundry that is only that one color. Like a, one machine only has yellow, one's blue, and one's red, and yeah. it looks really nice. Yeah, and I think that's for me the first time that I noticed the colors was that scene. So I kind of think that it's in there to be like, wow, look at the primary colors. And then you start to notice that like everything is in primary colors after that. Oh, it's just to establish it. I think so. Cause like the rest of the laundromat's painted blue, uh, that fits the kind of other scheme, but it doesn't work thematically for that scene where it's like, he, like it should be yellow. apart, David. No, 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 it's not. Trust me. I'm not the only one that thought things. This is, this is such a great example to me of like how this movie just knocks it out of the park in terms of its aesthetics for sure. and like and technical execution. Editing yeah, too. There's yeah. lots editing. of cool match yeah. shot, match frames. The whole so like she'll have a shot of the top of a coffee cup and then it'll just cut to uh, uh, an elevator button, which yeah. is round like yeah. the coffee cup and it's just a nice match frame. The, yeah. Everything is so well technically executed, but that's that's my problem is that it's so, I feel like they, they, they blew all of their resources on executing that well and they didn't really think about the script so much well totally they didn't appreciate the value of really 3d characters and like there's no one in this movie that's three-dimensional like Mm. the love interest deborah what is what does she want what is she okay (laughs) she wants to get out of here that's it yeah baby what does he want like to get out of the life of crime that's they're young dumb (laughs) but like all all of the villains like sure they're colorful and they're interesting uh but like they have no dimension to them. And like we had kind of talked about it, like what makes a good character? And there's kind of like two levels of good character. There's the hand solos. That's like the over-exaggerated, really easy to, to identify. But then there's kind of the more complex, like Michael Corleone, where there's like, it's not quite as on the surface, but there's so much going on underneath. Mm. And this movie kind of gets the on the, the surface stuff, but it absolutely fails at getting the heart of a character. And like right. Han Solo has a heart, but like, who are these people? I don't know any of these people. Yeah. Like if you ask to answer the question, like, uh, a canvasser comes up to this person, asks them to donate to animal welfare. Does baby donate or not donate? The only person I think baby know, just kind of goes like, huh, huh, and just only, keeps walking. Yeah. He just dances away. <laughs> he actually, he shouldered back them as he danced by. And went, oh, sorry. <laughs> yeah. My yeah. my biggest character problem 
is actually Jamie Foxx. And I used to think he was my favorite character in this movie. I hate him in this movie. Because he gives a great, I think he gives a great performance. And you can tell, like, he brings a lot of energy to it. And you can tell everyone worked really hard on this movie. It's not mm-hmm. like anyone didn't try. No. Really? But uh, my, I had the opposite impression when I first watched it. The f- oh, really? I felt this less last night, but on my first watching, my greatest takeaway was, like, st- all-star cast, no one cared. No, I just think that... Uh, Flea kind of phoned it in. <laughs> I don't know. I like the... Oh, that the was no Flea. Nos. Yeah, Flea. Yeah. Flea has a that's cameo a, as one a of no, the... no, 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 no. Yeah. <laughs> as one of the thugs. Yeah, I like yeah. that. Um, but Jamie Foxx, it's, 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 this isn't his fault, but for me, that's the turning point of the movie. I think the first half of the movie is stronger, where all the elements are, are gelling, there's interesting stuff, you're constantly getting these reveals, and the technical side is perfect, but what happens with him is with that... With bats. With bats is that uh, Buddy asks, oh, I want a pack of gum. Anyone got gum? So they go to the gas station, and he comes out with a bunch of gum, and you look in, and he's killed the gas station attendant. Oh, he did like, kill him. Well, we don't know, but I, I'd assume oh. so, because he then keeps killing people all night. To me, that was the moment where the be- believability of the movie falls apart. Because I'm like, okay, that's good characterization. He's a guy who doesn't give a fuck. He'll shoot anybody. doesn't matter. But They call me the shootster. The shootster. The bat shootster. I'll shoot anybody. But... Wait, you made that up, right? He doesn't say that, does he? He doesn't. He definitely does. I would believe it, honestly. <laughs> the dialogue in this movie. But that's the moment where I'm like, that's too far. Like, that's too far for the sake of, like, characterization that the whole world of the movie doesn't make sense anymore. Like, no one would do that. That doesn't make any sense. Especially when he had given a, a speech, like, five minutes early of being the professional and doing mm. all these things. And I'm like, yeah. yeah. A lot of this movie doesn't really, it seems kind of mythical. In the sense that, like, it doesn't really seem like it takes place in the real world. Totally. Like, where, what, so they're in Atlanta, apparently. Yep. But, like, I'm, we're assuming that they're doing bank heists, like, every other week or something. And <laughs> it's like just the, like, this is just, we're just getting away with it. It's totally fine. Like, this what, would be, like, the biggest streak of bank heists in the they're history. They're in the newspaper. Yeah, they're in the newspaper. But, like, ba- like, his whole job is being a getaway driver for these bank heists. It's like, how many, how many bank heists do there have to be before there's like a huge crackdown and they actually find these guys? Like, bank heists aren't that common, guys. It's true. Well, well maybe they're not uh, specifically bank heists. Like the big, the big job in this movie is robbing the U.S. Postal Service of money orders and then fencing those money orders. It's not the same as robbing. Okay, a bank. well, armored car. Yeah, whatever. And there's tons of armored cars that rip around all day, like going to different places. They go to your movie theater to pick up the cash. Everywhere. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm just saying that, like. I don't read about armored cars getting broken into all the time you know, in the it was newspaper. Less believable to me is when they're robbing that armored car and there happens to be like a good Samaritan there who is like a Marine or something like that and yeah. decides to intervene and like smash his truck into them. Uh-huh. And then I believe he has a pistol that he attacks them with. Yeah. And then yeah. he has a submachine gun I wrote on, the seat, on the seat of his I truck. wrote that the- down. I was like, "What? why does this guy have a loaded SMG in his truck? <laughs> have you been to the States? <laughs> <laughs> and isn't it like under a newspaper? Like he like lifts something up. He just up. grabs it. It's just on the uh, so on the passenger. You're right. Seat. The, the chances of that crazy person being there is insane. But that's not like people in the st- people have MP5s. Like that's <laughs> like, that's I don't know, man. I don't have to tell you. Especially, was it an MP5 yeah, was an or MP5. was it an UMP? No, it was MP5. All right. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. It seems like to me, um, uh, David, you can flesh this out. But I believe the origin story of this movie is just like. A filmmaker sitting in his car hears a song that he likes, goes, hell yeah. Uh, in his brain, he makes a pattern between 
this cool thing happening right now and the thing he thinks about a lot, which is making movies. And he goes, wouldn't it be so cool if I made a movie where this song just played like during a heist? Because this is a great heist song. Yeah, yeah. And then they just made the movie from there. And it was like, whatever screenplay works. The most formulaic, like, yeah. whatever screenplay. So then they're like, we just need a bunch of chases. Oh, crap. Wouldn't it be cool if this chase involved us getting shot at? Uh, it's like you're just dropping a dude at in like a map maker. Uh, yeah. Citizen with MB5. <laughs> Yeah, we need somebody, we need it to be a chase scene somehow. In defense of yeah. that scene, it's awesome. And, like, the actual chase is so cool. Like, when they're going around and, like, they have to, like, drive sideways and then they get, like, pinned under the truck and, like, they, like, flip that dude over. And, like, we, like, we're ripping into this movie, but I think that, like, the technical elements of it make up for a myriad of crimes. And, like, we're all in agreement that, like, the characters aren't that strong. The writing is very simple. But the fact that, like, this movie is, like, everything is time to the music is pretty impressive and it's so cool like i think my favorite time to the music moment i mean all of them every chase every run every moment everything is perfectly timed but that and and you're talking about like when people are shooting at each other yeah everything every cut it's all bang but the 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 one that really blew me away this rewatch is the gunfight when they they when bats thinks that the undercover cop is like undercover and is gonna like try and trap them yeah uh, and he opens fire and there's a gunfight and it's to the song tequila and man, like that gunfight is so quick, so good. But like everything that happens is just on the it's beat on, and it feels yeah. good and it accentuates the music. It makes the song better somehow. It's not like some of the other ones where it's just like the song is happening and this stuff is happening and it cuts together. Like the added percussion of the of the guns totally adds to the excitement of the song. And then there's like the punchline at the end. He's like, ooh, tequila. <laughs> Love it. Yeah. So good. No, I mean, that is something. So I watched... This I I've I've seen this movie only once all the like all the way through. I tried watching it once previously, and I only had time to watch half of it or something. And, and so. what non-TV display were you watching it on that time? <laughs> An iMac, twenty-seven inch iMac. Yeah, that's okay. better. Okay. Um. Okay, this is the one movie that I will say you guys are probably right. Where this would be objectively. <laughs> Better and probably I would have liked it more if I watched it on a big screen with a with a proper sound system. I cranked it. Yeah, Yeah. it was sweet because because but that's because this movie depends so much on the music and that technical side of it. Totally. Um, I wish it didn't, but I I can't you know I can't deny that like especially that opening scene where he's like you know dancing around in the car or whatever, and then they take off and that whole man that whole intro sequence, the whole uh, getaway. Uh, where yeah. he, where he, escape, the he first escapes the cop. And yeah. he wins using his smarts, not just yeah. his driving skills, where he like forces the other car to take his spot and he's able to get away. I'm like, yeah. that's, a, that's a good... Yeah, so See, they're driving. I, I actually read the screenplay for this randomly a few weeks ago because um, I was trying to write a chase. And I was like, how do chases go? Whoa. And there's uh, they wrote into the screenplay the fact that there's a helicopter chasing them and that there's uh, two other cars that look like his car on the road. I believe in the screenplay it was a Honda, but he's driving a Subaru in this. Mm-hmm. And then the helicopter obviously just sees these three red cars. They each have a sunroof. They're all the same. But then they go under an overpass or there's a bridge over them. And in that moment, he switches lanes in front of one of the other cars, slams his brakes. So that car has to change lanes to where he was. And then they emerge and they're totally... Uh, they're all cars mixed up. The helicopter can't chase them. It's awesome. Uh, one thing I like about that uh, opening scene is from the like opening marquee as we like fade in, you hear the tinnitus, but you don't know that's what it is. You oh. hear this ringing, but that's because you always hear that when baby's not playing a song, and that's the case. He's sitting in the car with no music playing at all, and then when he starts to play the song, uh, one thing I like is he starts kind of grooving to it, 
But then he flips on his windshield wipers right at the right part of the song, and he dances with the windshield wipers. Yeah, yeah. And I just thought, that's great. Now I know. Here's a guy who spends a lot of time in his car. That characterization oh, is yeah, so yeah. sweet. Yeah. Yeah, I think there's a lot of clever bits they do for characterization of Baby. And, like, they constantly give you more uh, kind of angles by which to see him. Like, okay, he, he's got this foster dad that he learned sign language to communicate with. And he really does care for him. Oh, okay, he's a remixer. So what he does is he records everything and then he remixes it. Like, these all these really interesting quirks. But I never feel like I got to know him. I yeah. feel like, yeah, like, even though, okay, he's, I know he's been in a car. I know these things about him. Mm-hmm. I don't know Miles. I think that's a failure of the second half of the movie. The first hour of this movie is so sweet, but it was about an hour in, uh, about the time where they meet up the cops and do that uh, convenience store robbery. I was just like, this should be over already. I don't care anymore. But that first bit is so good. Like, there's so many questions in the first 50 minutes. Like, uh, his name, it's B-A-B-Y baby. Why is it baby? Why does he always have to spell it? I like that. Uh, Why doesn't he talk that much? Uh, Mm. Why is he in debt? I don't know if we ever find that out. Uh, Wait, this guy can speak sign language? Who's this deaf guy? And where did Ansel Ansel Egort <laughs> Where did Ansel Egort learn to dance? Damn. He's got some kind of dance a, background. Oh yeah, he's a ballerina. He was He was a ballet. ballerina. He was training ballet since he was born. Oh. He's got the spins. Yeah. Wow. He's very spinny. Do you guys like him in this movie? Or yeah. You, I actually don't hate him. I don't hate his I don't hate him. I just don't find him particularly uh engrossing. Like you think about a movie like Driver. Not baby driver, but driver. Mm. That's the uh, mean, that's, that's the Ryan Gosling. You mean darker drive? drive. Yeah, you're right. Drive. Yeah. Think about drivers for a video game. There's also the there's driver, driver, which is what this movie is more based on, which I, is like a '70s movie that I haven't seen. Did I Drive come a, out the same year as this? No, no, no. That came out before. I, I think, think Drive came out like within a couple of years. Yeah, Dr- Driver might be a movie with Nicolas Cage. Is that based anyways, on the video game? Anyways, <laughs> continue. Uh, in Drive. What is that? A golf movie? Five iron. Uh, in Drive, Ryan Gosling d- probably gets less characterization than Baby does, but because of what Ryan Gosling brings to that performance, I because feel- Ryan Gosling is just a totally mysterious, nebulous, smoldering mass. Honestly, now. yes. Honestly, yes. <laughs> yeah. You, I feel like I experienced more emotion with him. I was there on the ride with him, and that's a skill of a leading man. I think, and I don't know if. I feel like Ansel Eggert has that. Maybe he'll grow into that, but I don't feel yeah. like he brought me into himself. Ryan Ryan Gosling just has, uh, you know, I complain about Ryan Gosling and how his whole method of of acting is basically just to stare. But like, he's really good at staring. That's really a good deep staring. stare. It's <laughs> a deep stare. David, do you think it's because he has sunglasses on the whole movie? I think that's part of it. When you one of the, the tricks when you're writing is when you write a villain, you give them sunglasses so you can't see their eyes because the eyes are the window of the soul. And so yeah, true, I think true. it's a brilliant little character thing that he hides himself behind these sunglasses and he's gotten all these sunglasses from stealing cars. That's where he gets them. He doesn't buy them. Every time he steals a car, he just takes the sunglasses. Oh, is that in the movie? I didn't uh, see it's that. It's not in the movie. I read that after. Um, <laughs> but I, the, I love... It's in the lore. It's in I the comic book. I love when uh, John Bernthal is like, like smacking away the thing and he turns yeah. around and he just like in the background puts more sunglasses He's on. Got like, another these are, those are clutch moments. Those yeah. are friggin' money. But you're right. I think it does hide him a little bit. I, he exposes himself through dance. <laughs> he exposes himself. <laughs> he, he, the, second, the second opening scene, there's a kind of two opening scenes. After that first chase, then you get that big, I think it's a one-er, yep. a big long tracking shot where he's walking through town and he's 
listening to his music and dancing. And I love this because if you're a music lover, you can totally relate to like totally. just having a song playing when you're in a good mood and sunny day and it is the soundtrack to your life and everyone else is just, it's like a solipsism. Everyone else is just exists yep. in your world and you're like, well, he's dancing around through this environment and if you notice, uh, you can watch all these YouTube videos of things you may have missed in this movie. While he walks through that environment, uh, some of the things are obvious. Like he holds up his hands like he's playing a trumpet as he passes by some graffiti of a or a poster of someone playing a trumpet. But there's a ton of other ones. There's like little posters on the lamp posts that have the lyrics that are being sung at that exact moment. Right. Um, there's like um, I think he passes by a guy who's like yelling at like some churchy stuff at him, and that guy happens to say one of the lyrics at the right time. <laughs> All sorts of cool stuff. But then he's also kind of like knocking into other people. Yeah. And not like seeing them. Is that part of his character? Is That's that- what I was wondering because like part of it seems to be that that like okay when he's in a car he's like the master the magician but then when he's in like just walking around he's kind of just unaware of himself but it seems weird that he would cross the street and like not be aware of the cars either and so i don't i'm not sure what the goal of that characterization was i think the goal of that characterization is to have a really cool one long shot sequence that's timed to music and that's it that's fair and then maybe they wanted that like the shoulder checks are all in music yeah. Other things that are really cool about that. So there's a in that one shot, they kind of come around to the same spot, and there's actually they've added graffiti that so that the lyrics are completed, so that like the second time you see it is there's more lyrics. But also when he's inside the coffee shop, he waits a beat so that he can answer his coffee order on the beat, um, which yeah. is great. But also on the mural outside, there's a heart, and it's black. And then he sees Deborah pass, and then when the camera has is following her, the the black heart is now red. Oh yeah, I saw that in a behind the scenes kind yeah, of. There's thing. so like honestly, okay, I know that stuff is like really cool. Yeah, but honestly, that kind of stuff like bugs me. <laughs> well, in a it, film, because I'm like, all right, that's really cool, but like, you want me to watch this movie how many extra well, times to okay, catch I, I, all of these things? Those kinds of things do not a movie make. Yeah. So if it's already a sweet movie and it has those extras, then yes, you're golden. Totally. If it has those extras but doesn't have it where it counts, yeah. And I think, that's, I think that's what bothers me really about this movie. I feel like I would have given it a higher rating instead of a 5.5 if like, because honestly the reason why it's 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 filled up the bar up to 5.5 for me is all that stuff. Like I, I acknowledge that objectively all that stuff is really cool, you know? The fact that they were able to squeeze all of this excellent filmmaking, uh, you know, tweaks into this movie is is amazing it's an achievement of of music video production but <laughs> yeah. but i the, the the fact that the thing that's making the rest of the rating on this on the 10 scale missing for me is is the fact that it's not really it's it's flash it's all flash and no substance 100 percent. i can't disagree with yeah that. like when uh like when kevin spacey's character is drawing on that chalkboard just giving out a huge dump of exposition <laughs> just telling this other character baby's whole life story just for the benefit of the audience yeah. then he backs away from the chalkboard and he's like guy good goddamn i just drew a whole fucking map during that <laughs> <laughs> i really I like, like that. that moment yeah i like that i love that i think in other places the movie does a pretty good job balancing like exposition with tension uh like there's the scene in the diner where bats is kind of coming at buddy and he's trying to like read him uh, and I like that, that there's like tension for this scene and it's a scene that's unrolling, but like it also kind of gives you information on Buddy. And I feel like they do that a few times where they're un- unveiling a little bit about Baby through exposition that's happening, but it's tension with other characters. And I think that's something the movie does pretty well is giving you information with a decent scene, uh, not just like stopping everything 
And like even in that scene that you're saying, like they don't just stop everything and have him like explain. There's other things happening. There's other details. There's other moments. It's part of a scene, and it works for me. So many the, things happen simultaneously. Yeah, the dialogue though is so like it's not bad dialogue for the most part. It's really snappy, but it's almost so snappy and clever that it's unrealistic. Totally, yeah, one hundred percent. And I think that's the other thing that th- this movie reminds me of. I wasn't a cool kid. Like, when I was, like, a little kid, I wasn't cool. I was a huge dork. Nothing changed. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm not a cool kid now. I'm a child. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm a baby driver. But I think that I have, like, a visceral opposition to movies that are, like, trying really hard to be, like, cool, you know? Like, look at how cool these guys are. They always wear sunglasses. Look at this really cool turn that he can pull off in the car. Whoa, what a cool guy. Hey, you think Tarantino's the only one who can make a cool soundtrack? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Man, he's so cool. And I think so. I see that happening on the in the film, and I'm just like, oh. Especially at the beginning. You're too cool. At the opening scene when those, uh, those bandits get out of the car, and they're all, like, synced. And yeah. they like walk and step. Yeah. They look so cringe. But they I, I they think, don't look cool to me. Okay, so uh, here's my pushback. And I, also, I think the point is to make Baby not feel part of that. He's like, they. so one thing they do is that they dress everyone very distinctly. And they tell you a lot mm-hmm. about their characters through what they're wearing. Uh, and one thing they do is they'll dress Baby in black and white, whereas everyone will have colors. Like you think about Bats, he's got that bright red. Because uh, gla- he, he glamorizes the criminal life. He's like, yeah, I'm a criminal. This is great. Yeah. Uh, but Baby's always wearing black and white because he's kind of caught between the criminal, the dark side. Because he's bland. Because Yeah, sure. I agree. Uh, <laughs> and white, like he's still a good guy and all these things. But his white shirt gets dirtier and darker throughout the film, I yes. believe. Yeah, for sure. And the, But that's what's funny about that is because when he's with the other criminals, he will be reserved. But then in private, you know, he's dancing around. He's going crazy. I, when he's walking on the street by himself, he's yeah. like, you know pretending to play trumpet and stuff he's he's so that that's an interesting bit i i watched a i watched a video about this again i can never take credit for these like cool theories that i that i come across but like i watched a video about how um baby is kind of like a uh he's an introverted character and the 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 movie is saying it's taking like a nuanced look at introversion because you think of an introvert as just somebody who's like maybe shy and they you know they're reserved and they don't really ever kind of let loose but baby lets loose he just only lets loose when he's by himself with people he's comfortable oh, with oh yeah he's by himself or with joe yep. or, or with anonymous in a, in a crowd anonymous in the city with right. sunglasses and headphones on right right the do not fucking talk to me kind yeah, of shield yeah but then as soon as he starts interacting with the criminals he just goes into his own little world adults are here yeah <laughs> and i thought that was interesting yeah. i also thought it was an interesting um, transition you were talking about is his wardrobe and how that changes. There's kind of like a shift that happens in the movie, right? When he meets Deborah, that's Her name kind of a is shift. Deborah. Before he meets Deborah, the only person he really you know has in the world that he could care about is Joe, and Joe's uh, successfully isolated from his like criminal in the green life, world, right? In the green room. And as soon as as soon as Deborah kind of gets brought into it, then he suddenly has a reason to care. And so he's like, oh, shoot, I got to do something about that. But before that, he's kind of like using the music almost as a as a block to be like, all right, this, all these horrible things are happening, but I can get through it by using, by using yeah. this music as a block. And then once he realizes that, oh, okay, this is bad and we got to do something about this, I have to kill these guys or else I, you know, I won't be able to get away, yeah. you see his wardrobe kind of change as he like, Transitions into well, he gets a more his hands extroverted. Dirty. Yeah. Hmm? He gets his hands dirty. That's right. That's the whole Dolly Parton thing where he, he talks to that uh, person who works at the USPS 
and she says uh, you can't have a rainbow without a little rain something right. like that she's she's um quoting dolly parton mm-hmm. and the one of the final scenes when he walks out of the prison there's a giant rainbow there there was rain <laughs> so before yeah. the rain that happens before is when he's um driving bats around back to do the job and it's raining there bats gets in the car and because there's a truck ahead of their car that has like a uh, rebar sticking out of it baby ex- hits the accelerator and the rebar comes to the window and k- impales bats and that's when it's raining. That's when his character changes. He he gets his hands dirty for the first time. Instead of being not the type of person who fits in that world, he dives into it. Right. I do like that moment. Like, it it really depends on which which rewatch if I like it or not. Because sometimes I'm like, why would you do that, dude? Just like, there's a lot of better ways to deal with this. But this, <laughs> just finish the job. Just yeah, go just, on your road just, trip yeah. like eight hours later. Yeah. Yeah. Just talk it out. Yeah. Just or no, just like get through this and then be done. Uh, but it feels good to see bats die. I'm not gonna lie. The guy's a piece oh. of shit. You know what doesn't feel good? Seeing Monica, or um, what was her alter ego? Darling. Seeing her holding two machine guns, dual wielding, and just uh. like <laughs> spraying them at cops while she's standing there in open, in no front, cover. Yeah, steps out in the open. Ugh. The, all the action in cars, good. Action out of cars on foot, bad. I thought his foot chase was okay. I think like he does a decent job like seeming athletic and like getting away. And, yeah, like, it turns out he's also really good at parkour. Yeah. I love... I like it when he goes into like the the mall and he gets into like the souvenir shop and you, he get quickly gets like the jean jacket, gets the sunglasses, and when he's like checking himself out, you can see the cops are closing in on him and he's yeah. like, "Oh yeah, chase on!" And I thought that was like such a good moment. And like then he reconnects with Darling's disguise uh, for no reason. Yeah, I'm yeah. caught immediately, and now yeah. I'm wearing more layers. Oh god, it's so yeah. hot. Yeah. I was yeah. that was the only thing I was thinking of that scene. I was just like, oh, I just put on those all those clothes for no reason. What a waste. <laughs> Shoplifted for no reason. He's got the sunglasses now, man. I'm I'm still disappointed about the buddy thing. Like if, because I got to bring it back because that's really my main, the main problem for me with this movie was was the second half or the third act where like it's so strong up until that shift happens because all they would need to do to make that make sense for me is have buddy just seem kind of a little menacing before that or something. And I think, I think they you need know? to rejigger the structure of the movie a little bit. It seems... Like, they didn't quite have the three-act structure fully in mind the whole time. Where, like, mm. it's like, okay, there's these things that happens. There's this next thing that happens. There's this thing that happens. And then it's like, okay, we're building towards a thing now. It doesn't feel like everything that happens in the first scene is, like, moving us towards the next thing, which is escalating, which is moving us. And I think with, like, a little rejiggering, this movie could feel a lot better. Yeah. It's I don't suffers- have a sense of his, of Baby's, like, inward journey. He has I know that he wants to stop doing these missions and wants to run away with his girlfriend and drive down the road with no plan and some money or something but he's but i don't know what he's trying to do on the inside there's no passive there's really no internal conflict in him well there's conflict well there's there's conflict but there's no internal conflict his conflict is i want to get out of this situation i want to get away from doc and that never changes the entire time you're right though he's realizes something he's he's reactive things happen to him he's not driving the story he's like man you know what i don't want to do any more missions you have to. Ah, uh, yeah, whoopsies. And I think, yeah, I think with like just like the smallest rejiggering this movie for could go from like a seven area to me to like a nine. Like it's got all the details. It's got all like the hard work done. If they had like if Edgar Wright had kept his director's cap off just a little bit longer and stayed in the writer's role, I think this movie could have been excellent. Mm. Yeah, it's like he he wears the hat for a certain amount of time and then he takes it off and then he doesn't go back. Yeah, and he's like, I like this now I'm directing, hat. and he's a great director. It, uh, I think, yes, he's a great director. I, again, the technical execution and all that is the. 
I don't think I've seen the level of like music syncing up with action on screen in another movie. I mean, I'm sure one exists. I don't want to say it doesn't, but like the way that this movie does that is just so, so satisfying. It's so cool. Yeah. I will say it is cool. Capital yeah. C cool. I thought you hated cool. I know. I don't like cool people. I like the fact that they were able to do this in the movie, but I don't like I don't like I don't I I particularly don't like when they when a movie really tries to make criminals look cool. Mm. It just rubs me the That's wrong fair. way. That's fair. It's like make make baby driver look cool all you want. But like they have these shots of like, you know, the the thugs like walking up to the bank in their trench coats and their cool guns and sunglasses. It's like, yo, look how cool these guys are. It's like I don't want uh, uh. Yeah, I don't think they do enough to kind of make them fall apart. Where like I think it's okay if you introduce them as cool, but then as the movie progresses, you like kind of see the seams and you're like, eh. Like yeah. John Hamm's character, they kind of almost do that, where like they give you his backstory about being a stockbroker. Yeah, uh, and like, that makes him less cool. It does, and I think that's good. It makes him more sympathetic. Yeah, but it, I don't think they ever fully unravel him in like a not cool way. Like even when he's like trying to kill Baby and uh, Deborah, he's still cool. Yeah, uh, <laughs> but and like I, I still like it. Like all the little things. Like I think this is such a lame line when uh, Darling is like, "Oh, you want to like step off, man? Because when my buddy sees red." All you see is black. Kill me. Oh, she's she's brutal. <laughs> she's not great. And then at the end, I do like that. Like they've set that up, and that when he's in the police car chasing them, that's only a red light on him. So it's like, oh, yeah, he's seeing red, and he's gonna try and kill them. And I think that's like a neat, neat little setup. And they constantly <sighs> do stuff like that. There's a ton of stuff like that. There's other things that make me mad, like when um, baby's getting arrested at the end. They're on a bridge. He gets out of this truck. He puts his hands in the air. He's got the car keys in his hand. And he tosses them yeah. off the bridge. I'm like, why? You just now there's going to be a tow truck coming. <laughs> yeah. like, you just made so much work. There's going to be traffic. I it's thought that exact same thing while I watched that scene. I'm like, how are they going to drive the truck away? Yeah, it's not Thanks, a good buddy. Act of surrender. <laughs> now, what the heck is your girlfriend going to do? She can't just drive home after this now. Yeah. Well, they would have arrested her too for sure. She's nice though. So wait, what do you think, David? Do you think the ending was real or not? Uh, I think it doesn't matter. This I don't. Movie's <laughs> inconsequential to. <laughs> Anything. It's not. It's really cool. And that's the problem. And I think we all agree. We just gave it just different scores. It's really cool. It's amazing when it's like doing the things that it's doing. But like, it just doesn't matter. It's a movie that nothing matters, and like, it doesn't stick with you for that reason. Should have been like a short film. Yeah, it'd be great. Yeah, forty minutes music video, like tied to some band, do the whole thing tied to like their music. Mm. It's uh. like it's like they wrote it as a short film and then just like stretched it totally. out, like it yeah. like a, like putty. I don't know about that ending being ambiguous. It's not ambiguous. The film doesn't set that up. It could totally be ambiguous. It could be, just like that fan theory of like, Deborah could be working for Doc, but that's just like, you're you're reaching. (laughs) Well, uh, there's no intentionality from the, in the canon of the movie that uh, makes, that leads you that way. The argument is sort of that like, he has the vision earlier in black and white of that exact same thing happening and then at the end it starts in black and white and then kind of fades into color so it's like uh maybe he's just imagining it still you know no because, when it fades because into what, color that means it's real because what she's gonna she's gonna wait five years for him to get out yeah. of prison she's not gonna meet anybody else well, like, who isn't a criminal well, okay and so here's a little detail that also adds to that is that she sends him postcards but the postcards are just the art that's in the the diner, oh. and so like it might not be a real postcard. That might just be what he remembers. From he the went diner. insane. I like this ending much better. better. I think that if if you're gonna think that that's not real, then then she's not real and nothing's real. No, no, no she's real. <laughs> it ends. The last shot is him like rocking back and forth and like in an asylum. He's well, like, okay, yeah. Imagine the whole thing. He's I, so, I, so fast. I think I'm. 
He doesn't even have a license. I'm the best driver. I'm a baby driver. <laughs> He's actually a baby. <laughs> oh, speaking of babies, did you notice that fake ass baby in this movie? Well, no uh, remember when the, at the beginning they're they're switching cars and they they carjack a lady who's got a baby in the back. Oh yeah. yeah and yeah. then they there's a shot where they pass her the baby and it is the most dollest doll yeah. ever. <laughs> Ever. I didn't really it pay comes attention. right up That's to the funny. camera. Like, I, I me and like, my wife were both like, whoa. I like that scene because it's like things are going wrong. The one dude's like, I love my shark. I'm behind. And they're like freaking out. But like even before that, like the... I like that they have the Michael, the Mike Myers mask. Yeah, that's funny. That uh, was the best joke in the movie. Yeah, totally. But it was like, it was a, a thing made out of necessity because it was supposed to be like the Halloween mask, uh, but they couldn't get the rights. Oh. And so Edgar Wright messaged Mike Myers and was like, hey man, can we like use your likeness? And Mike Myers was like, yeah, that sounds hilarious. Oh, that's Fuck so yeah. funny. Oh, that's so like, Strangely, this is the only time someone has asked me to do this. Yeah. <laughs> Showing. <laughs> the ending being real, I feel like maybe fits better with this universe because as I said it kind of does feel mythical it doesn't really feel that realistic so I guess I'm with you James on that where you know in this baby driver universe where everyone's a one note character and they (laughs) people are basically primary colors in this movie there's no nuance to them for sure uh yeah why not she waits five years for him she's the perfect girl why not what do you guys think of their names like I I, I didn't need to know that his name was Miles at the end it's I don't hate that I just I kind of like, hate it because it's kind of like a driving pun. Yeah. I feel like... Like b- distance. Oh, my gosh. I didn't even Aww. get that. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't either. I See, what I hate is I get the feeling that both Buddy and Baby were reverse engineered for the joke one-liner they get. Like, like fuck your baby. And mm. fuck what? you, Buddy. <laughs> like, they both have like a joke like climax moment Wait, who where says, who Jamie says, Fox, I can't remember what the what the scenario is, but he's like, yeah, fuck your baby, uh, and it's supposed to be funny, but it's like, is that is his name specifically chosen just, just because they wanted to say that line? Same with Buddy, like guy, Buddy Gab, not <laughs> yeah, Buddy, guy. buddy they guy. They should they, they missed that. the opportunity to have a scene of bats walking into the walking into the hideout, being like, what's up, Doc? Hey, uh, Bats would have done that too, or maybe Griff. He was the only person that was allowed to improv on set. Edgar Wright's like notorious for not allowing improv, but Jamie, he allowed Jamie Fox to improv, and a couple of his lines are just like improv. You know, I don't really Jamie know much about Jamie Edgar Fox, Wright. He probably didn't even allow it. Jamie Fox probably just did it anyway and then <laughs> stared him down. <laughs> I I don't know much about Edgar Wright, but that totally tracks with like no. what I would assume because everything in this movie is so meticulously thought out and planned that he's like, no, you can't improv. Yeah. What do you mean? You can't, you're trying to be creative? Is he yeah. British? He's British, yeah. Yeah. He's very British. Well, you this know you first... can't improv. <laughs> do you guys think that, um, this is kind of a weird argument thing, like, do you think that it's unfair to rate a movie based on things it's, like, not trying to be? Like, is it unfair for Riley to say, this is a 5.5 because while it's good at these things, it sucks at these other things that I expect to be good in a movie. Mm. And instead, you should just be like, hey, this movie's not trying to have a good story, not trying to have characters. It's trying to be a cool music video. And in that regard, it's a 9. So you should give it a 9 overall. Are you trying to change this discussion from a specific conversation about this movie to a discussion about the medium in general? I just saw this on Reddit. I thought the guy was an idiot. <laughs> no, I think it's, <laughs> I think it's a great question. It's hard. I think like there's an element of balance where you absolutely do owe it to the movie to approach it on its terms, but the movie doesn't exist in a vacuum and you watch movies as with an understanding of what movies are. Mm. And so it's up to the movie to give you what 
you expected of a movie, but it's also up to you to understand that like the movie's trying to be a certain thing. And I think this movie's trying to be the like good have good characters it's trying to have slick story and it fails on those things it's not that it's not trying to do those things it's just that it failed it's like they made the movie as part of a competition where they had like a uh, a cap on some some resource like you guys have <laughs> you have one month to make this movie so you, dang it we can't focus on everything yeah. we have to pick one but overall i think it's it's dumb to think that you can just come into a movie and be like you know what um I don't have any subjective dimensions to my film watching. <laughs> yeah. If this movie has a bad script, it's because they didn't want to have a good script. It's like, <laughs> I'm just going to ignore that. Yeah. But on the other hand, when we watch something like um, that Pixar movie we just covered, Onward, Onward. Yeah. it's like, I'm, I'm going to give it a, a score that's commensurate with it being a kid's movie. And it's like, it's for kids. So I can't just be like... Every movie is a 10 out of 10 because it achieved a movie. <laughs> <laughs> they set out to make the movie and they made it, so it's a ten out of ten. Honestly, it is Rip a miracle that I any str- movies are good. It's well, yeah, I guess so. Well, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> You're it's just a question. figuring it out in real time whether or not you agree with that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's wait. a question. It's a question I struggle with all the time because you know, I'll, I'll, I'll. People will be talking about like John Wick, and they'll be like, "Oh, John Wick's so good. I love the John Wick movies." And I'm like, "John Wick is like, they suck." You know, like, I, I don't, but it's because I don't like John Wick movies, but here's the reason I don't like them is because I think that in the possible universe of all potential films, John Wick is pretty low on, like, things that you could achieve in the medium, you know? Yeah. You look at something like Blade Runner 2049. Well, by which and, dimension, though? Because if you're into, like, gun kata, then it's yeah, right yeah, up yeah. there. Yeah, so it's super up there on the gun kata, but there are movies that can have gun kata and really well written yeah. characters and compelling themes and plot. Like Equilibrium. <laughs> Ew. Exactly. Stop it. The best, the perfect movie. No. Equilibrium. Like Christian The Matrix. Bale. I loved Equilibrium when I was a kid, though. Sure. Dang. When you were dumb and young. <laughs> this podcast is now about Equilibrium. <laughs> no. Yeah, like, okay, so there's all these categories that a movie could excel in, and there are movies that excel really well in a lot of them. So a movie that excels in more categories is better than a movie that only excels in a few categories. And it's hard, too, because, like, so much of movie watching is a subjective experience. And you can give, like, an objective rating. You can make a score sheet of, like, okay, I give this a 7 out of 10 in plot, a 6 out of 10 in characters, a 10 out of 10 in action, and I average and give a score. But, like, that's not at all what your experience of watching the movie was, like, you can't rate outside of like, okay, did I like it or did I not? Like that's all you're rating on and you like kind of parse it through like more objective filters. But like, like I don't think you're right about that. I mean, you might be right that the initial impression of a movie is like, did I, did, did I like that in my gut? Like what was my, you know, subjective feeling towards it? But I think the thing that informs our subjective feeling toward movies are these categories that we have in our head. Yeah, I, I do agree there. Uh, and like it helps you kind of understand what that gut feeling is. I just, I, I, the more I think about ranking movies, and I'm, I'm sick, guys. I'm, uh, I'm at movie twelve hundred and forty-eight uh, for my list. What does that <laughs> mean? Wait, 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 wait. Are you talking about because you got that app that brand? No, 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 you weren't there that episode. I started. What is this? A uh, spreadsheet. It's, uh, t- it's got 1,200 movies so you far. You son uh, I'm of a... <laughs> what? I'm sick. Stop. <laughs> Stop it. What is this spreadsheet? Wait, These are ranking, it's just ranking movies. You're saying that, that movies seen. you've seen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you're at number 1,248? Yeah. Ranking movies? Yeah. I'm sick. David. Uh, <laughs> David, you, you got to get this app you? that Brandon I has. I have that app. It's just, But it's only in stars. That's not enough granularity. 
Oh, um, it's not two decimal places. No. You so wait, what are you talking about? You can't objectively. So, like, this no, is your I'm, subjective ranking. So what I'm saying, yeah, is that like uh, it's hard because like I can parse all this information that I have as someone who reviews films and like understands uh, the whatever, um, and I can give it like a score. But that's not actually about how much I like it. It's just like a breakdown of the objective elements that I know, you know. Uh-huh. And that's what's like hard is how do I rank? It's it's a different ranking for how much I like something versus how good sure. something is. Sure. Wait, wait, what? It is for sure. Like when you're giving a movie, like you're saying this movie is a nine point five. I don't like it, but it's a nine point five. Well, Why would I mean, you do that? You wouldn't get to a nine point five without me liking it. And I, it, what I'm saying is that all ranking is meaningless because it's always a combo of both. It's always a combination of objective knowledge and subjective experience. Well, okay. I guess I can... I agree with you that, like, there is no way to truly objectively rank movies as, like, and this is the this is what it is. It's, mm. as, it's as true as, you know, gravity or whatever. Yeah. But, like, you know, we can... We can all agree basically. that... Basically... <laughs> We can basically say this movie's better than this movie. Like I don't think we can we can rate them to that level of granularity where you have a list of a thousand movies and they're perfectly ordered. And in, it's a zero sum game. They can't be on the same level. One's yeah, above another yeah. one. In yeah. order of quality, you can't have that. But you can say, you know, Star Wars: A New Hope is better than this movie. That's fair. And I, but I think the Last Jedi. Yeah, when you rank, you <clears throat> always have to qualify what you're ranking and like what the weighted score is. And I'm still hung up on the fact that. You're ranking things outside of whether or not you like them. Like, I'm trying to understand what that's like. It's like, I really appreciate how sick of a song Thriller is, but now that I know that he likes little boy's bum holes, I <laughs> don't like the song Thriller. So I give it a nine, but when I listen to it, I feel like a five. Okay, so I see I see is, what you're is that saying. what's going on here? It's more, I find it's more weighted the other way, where I'll like something that I know is bad, and so... Then it's good! In my... Ob- is no is, okay yeah. now we're getting into yeah. it what's like, wrong with you so you think if you like something but ab- acknowledge objectively that it's bad there's something about it that's good that's why you like it unless unless you really are uh, self-aware enough to be like guys look i really like the song rapture by blondie it's a white woman rapping <laughs> everyone hates it but my mom used to listen to it a lot when i was a kid and that's why i like it okay 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 what kay. about how about how about wait what about this what about this um Keeping up with the Kardashians, right? It's a bad show, all right? Technically, maybe maybe there's some technical aspects that are executed well yeah, as far as reality shows that. go. But like, as far as uh, the you know the entire spectrum of possible TV shows, it's, <laughs> it's a bad show. Pretty low, yeah. Right? But a lot of people love that show. They really like that show. Yeah. But well, there's that, obviously an people element liking, to it. People liking that show doesn't mean that it's a good show. That means there's an element of it that is working, though. That's just like saying, no, no, yeah, is, but, is Candy Crush a great game compared to God of War 3? Well, okay. No, but it's hitting that part in your brain that makes you keep playing. It's great at exploiting some human system that is weak in, 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 and, and is so unable are to the resist ca- it. So are the yeah, Kardashians. Okay, but, that's, but, that's, but that's, you know, you, we get into a whole discussion of, you know, what's your axiomatic... Uh, rating system for what for quality in shows if your axiom is that a show is good when it tricks people into watching it over and over and over then yeah it's a good show but i don't think that's a good axiom to have yeah i think you might because you might say oh this book i couldn't put it down or this show the episode ended i had to put another episode on but that's that's one metric by which we measure success by that measure potato chips are good because you can't stop eating them they are good they taste 
good, yeah. but are they good food? No. Yeah. For, okay. So my my question is: <laughs> Well, for, what's the rating? Is the rating on whether it is, <laughs> the there, is, is, it nutri- is it nutrition out of ten, or is it like good for me eating these right now for a movie? Okay. Well, maybe anyone who's confused because we're talking about food now, just translate it to movies, okay? <laughs> okay? Yeah. So my question is like: What about movies like the Mario Brothers, where they're so bad they're good, where you're laughing at how bad the movie is? That you're like, and you enjoy that aspect of it. No. Does that now boost the movie back up, or is it now some nega rating where it's like minus seven because it's so it's enjoyable like a seven, but it's so bad and it's a zero? And now that's interesting. Like that, the, that's the, interesting. the room, right? Yeah, like yeah. you're like this movie sucks, but it sucks so hard. We're in like this negative part of the scale. It's like a circle. <laughs> it's like a snake eating its tail, and I'm laughing suddenly. See, okay, so to the question, to the question of like what these ratings are made of. You know, yeah. when we rate our movies, yeah. you know, is that is that primarily a subjective rating or an objective rating? An attempt at a objective there's rating. There's no such yeah. thing. Yeah, yeah, there's no such there's no such thing as a truly objective rating. What I'll but, tell you though is if you ever see a movie rating for me that has a negative sign in front of it, that means it went full circle. Like a negative <laughs> yeah, 10 is there. like this movie's so that garbage be... but I'm laughing. Yeah, uh, yeah. I'm having the best time. <laughs> oh no, but then Doolittle should have been a negative No, rating. but we weren't having a good time. I wasn't oh, that was just right. bad. You're right. It wasn't bad enough. Yeah. So you guys will know when we when we review a movie that's, that's so cats, bad that it's good. Cats, it'll have I'm giving a you a new rating, rating like negative six. Because it's like <sighs> six. I had a six level of enjoyment overall. It's too long. It's a crap movie. But like I definitely enjoyed parts of it. No, I'm giving it negative one. Negative one. I'm updating to <laughs> negative one because I, I liked a little bit. The, f- the thing is you need friends. You can't do this kind of stuff alone. Don't watch The Room or Sharknado yeah, alone. You watch true. it with friends yeah, and then you true. hate on it together and have sure. fun. Yeah. Uh, for me, the ratings that we do every week are as close to an objective rating as possible. I try mm. not to put in like my particular liking for it as much as possible. Like We'll see you know, if we ever did... If we ever did Star Wars, I would hopefully not rate them based on like, I really love this movie and instead rate it as a film Yeah, because, you know, this is what I do for The Last Jedi, right? Yeah. Where I'm like, I The Last Jedi made me really angry <laughs> <laughs> and I spent a lot of time thinking about how stupid parts of that movie were. But at the end of the day, here we are, you know, what, th- three years later? Sure. You're not going to be like, it's a two. Yeah, that's obviously yeah. not. It's, act, it's objectively, objectively a decent film. Yeah, but I don't like it because of what it means to Star Wars. So what's the the modifier we put in front of it? Like division, a divider, <laughs> a modulus, <laughs> Mo- yeah. modulus. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I don't know. We're making this so complicated. I love it. No, I love it. This is great. What are we gonna do next? Is our uh, yeah? What's the next? We don't movie? have a plan for the next like month, eh? Oh no! We gotta do some Tarantino stuff, guys. Yeah, That'd be we got to. That would be good. Although Tarantino is probably in the same sort of wheelhouse as Edgar Wright, right? See, what I, you, it's a little I, deeper. What are you talking about? What? What, what do you mean? Well, they're kind of like uh, titillating a little bit, you know. Tarantino's on a di- different level than. I'm, I'm not Tar- even saying I quality think, level, although I would defend that opinion. I'm just saying like like thematically and like vibeness. Yeah. It's like a whole different thing. I'd yeah. say. Well, so he's better. You're saying. Well, I'm saying both. I'm, I th- I enjoy his movies more than I haven't seen that many Edgar Wright movies. You think? T- come Edgar on, Wright's you're gonna better? put like Scott Pilgrim beside like Pulp Fiction? Like, come on. Yeah, I am. I'm gonna say Scott Pilgrim is better than Pulp Fiction. <laughs> yeah, yeah Pulp Fiction is a good movie, but it's not like that good. Scott it's Pilgrim. Yeah, Scott Pilgrim like is incredible. Well, then why didn't we do it today? <laughs> because people, people are dumb. People like Baby Driver hey, more. Don't call our audience. Okay, we're gonna do a Tarantino vote. I- <laughs> 
How about that? I'm so but, mad. But we, wait, they were pretty close. Scott Pilgrim was the other one, was right? Was the other one, yeah. It was, it was like 2% behind or something. No, frankly, probably fewer people saw it. And it was like, yeah. Yeah. it was to I mean, Edgar Wright's total box office is like less than like 300 million or something, like everything combined. Whereas like a Tarantino movie will make 500 mil to a, like a bill. Like he's obviously a much more popular filmmaker. But now. 500 mil to a bill. I'm gonna do bill now. His his biggest uh, commercial success was Inglorious Bastards, and the, they've been big since. But like when you're talking Reservoir Dogs and Kill Bill and Pulp Fiction, that was a way lower. Man, I would love to do Inglorious Bastards. We'll do that eventually. We'll we'll we'll, we'll do a poll. All right, we should do Kill Bill, I guess. Eh? No one's gonna vote for Kill Bill. It's the best. Okay, we'll okay, do. Pulp Fiction, so, we're, so we're doing Kill Tarantino bill. this week. Pulp Fiction, Kill Bill, Inglorious Bastards, and I haven't seen the most recent one. Hateful Eight, and I don't do it. No, that's what? not, no. no, no Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Hollywood. No, Django Unchained, uh, he wrote True Lies. I think Django and... True Lies, True Romance. If we want to do Inglorious Bastards, I wouldn't suggest Django Unchained, because I find they're so similar, they would split the vote. They are they're pretty s- similar. What? Yeah. You think they're well, similar? They're the same movie. In terms of what? like freedom fighter, kind of fighting it's for justice revenge porn. type of thing. Yeah, yeah, just history, alternate history revenge One's porn. killing racists, one's killing... Uh, racist. Racist. <laughs> Yeah, but I it's feel Nazis like and slavers. I feel like Inglorious Bastards is so much better than Django. I only watched Django once in the theater. I'll check it out again. I think Inglorious Bastards is better, but they're the same movie. Okay, guys, is, I don't. This is really uh, inside baseball, but I don't want to put, I don't want to put uh, Bastards in the poll because it will definitely win, and I want to do a different movie, and we'll definitely do Bastards at some point. And it's okay. a swear word, and I it's don't, spelled wrong. That's true, so it's fine. We should put more early Tarantino sure. in it. Reservoir Dogs, Pulp Fiction, Jackie Brown. True romance. Ooh. Paul Fiction will win. Yeah. Fantastic Mr. Fox. <laughs> <laughs> From Dustal Dawn. <laughs> hey guys, if you want some input or you want to vote in that poll, then check us out on Twitter at Carpool Critics. And also, can you please just tweet some mean stuff at us? All we ever hear from you guys is like, hey, I love the show. Here's my favorite movie. Can you please cover it? Um, but I want to know how we can get better. Just really take us down a notch. Tell me something like, "Hey James, we hate we hate this way that you stumble uh, you stumble on words sometimes." Yeah, nice. <laughs> David, just we like hate right your there. nose breathing. Can, like someone just nose breathing. Give us Riley. We don't like your face. Turn the camera off of that guy. Give us some feedback so we can make this better and reach even more ears. Because we love ears. You can email us a treatise on why you hate our podcast. A treatise. Carpool critics podcast at gmail.com <laughs> we're on twitter and email because we're modern men <laughs> email is like ancient at this point